Pastor Mike's story just blessed me and uh, challenged me. You know, in the way that he, he shares the gospel at the end, I'm really looking forward to what he's got to say today. Uh, just to be empowered, you know, uh, we were talking around dinner last night about the whole role of the fivefold ministry, equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. And that's the whole reason we're bringing in an evangelist, so that we can get fired up for the work of ministry, of evangelizing our city and our region, that we can go beyond our continue to do what God's doing. So, Mike, we welcome you. Come forward, my friend, and uh, just share what the Lord's placed upon your heart. Bless you, brother. we on can you hear me very good wonderful that's so good to be here in Griffith I I really hadn't heard about Griffith much I only reference I had of Griffith was from watching underbelly and uh and, and then um but the Lord just continued to lead me to this place you know one thing that you know when God just continues to highlight an area or a region, you know that God's doing something there. This is a divine appointment that I'm here. It's not, it's not by like, oh, orchestrated by man or I need some preaching gig or anything like that. I, I travel all over the world ministering and, and have, you know, God, God does signs and wonders and miracles everywhere. I've actually got to begin to pray now about, because the invitations and things I've got to pray about, where to go, where the Lord wants me. It doesn't matter if it's a small church, a big church, a crusade of thousands and thousands, but it's about where God wants me to be right at that moment. Come on, someone say amen. You've got to be positioned right at that moment where God wants you. There are divine moments and divine seasons and divine times. And, and like, you know, the woman that was sitting at the well, Jacob's well, where, where Jesus just left the 99 and went after the one. And he said, when his disciples came and said, hey, master, you haven't eaten. You know, they're, they're just in the flesh thinking about king's stomach. And, um, and they're just saying, you haven't eaten. You must you mustn't be really hungry. He said, I have food you know not of. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish that will. Finish that job. It's, it's, it, it, he was driven. God... God was driven while he was here on earth. He was driven by eternity. He only did that which the Father told him to do. And I feel like God has highlighted this Griffith area. That's why God's sending people like me to say the harvest is white. Look up. It is time to stop looking down, micromanaging, thinking about my little world and my little family and my little thing and my finance and my de debts and my bills. As you seek first the kingdom, all those things shall be added unto you. It's time for us to say, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. The thing that satisfies me, the thing, yeah, because man shall not live on bread alone, but on, upon every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, and this is what energizes the soul is when you begin to get outside of yourself, outside of your small little world, and you start to look up and see that the harvest is white. There are people out in the community right now crying out and saying, if there was only a God. If only someone would preach to me and show me that there is a real God. The Bible says that 
They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how will they be saved by whom they haven't heard? And how will they hear unless people are sent? And I'm here today to encourage you to send you. Because the whole, we, we, have, we have two main things in life and happened way back in the Garden of Eden and psychologists around the world have, have concurred that this is the main uh, needs that we have in life and that is connection and purpose. We have a need to connect to one another. God looked at all of the Garden of Eden and he said, he said it was all good what he created. But the one thing that he said was not good it's not good for man to be alone. And so we come together and we connect in church. That's, that's a place where we connect. We connect with God. We wait upon the Holy Spirit. But we wait upon the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered from on high so that we can go out and fulfill the Great Commission. A lot problem with the church is a lot of, a lot of churches are completely run by pastors. And the pastors, like I was thinking about this, if the church was a plane and, the, and you had a pastor and an evangelist that were the stewardesses or stewards, right? You know? And the pastor would be coming around just making sure everybody's okay. Have you got a drink? Have you got a little cushion? Are you okay? Can we, can we pray for you? Are you comfortable? Is, is your back okay? Um, do you like a little refresher towel? make you feel nice and comfortable and just want to make sure that you're comfortable, want to make sure that you're happy, want to make sure that your needs are met. And then the evangelist would come, be coming along with all the parachutes going, hey, plane's going to crash. We got to get ready. And that's the reality is that, 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 that we need connection, but we need purpose. We need to be continually understanding that we are not on a cruise liner, we are on a battleship. Hello. The church is not a cruise liner, it's a battleship. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not here. The moment you become a Christian, you become an alien. You're an alien. So that's home, this ain't home. You hear me? That this, this existence here, we're actually just traveling through on working visas. But some of us are on a holiday visa. Amen. I'm going to share a little story a little bit later about one of the graduates of our program, but about how the need for someone to go and tell her the good news. There are people out there, you know, sometimes the gospel is the best kept secret in town. Once I preached a message called Hell, a Christian's best kept secret. It's true. I don't talk about hell anymore. Not comfortable. But the reality is, there are two roads. You're either on one 
or you're on the other. You are either headed for a beautiful, heavenly, Christ-filled eternity or you are headed for a Christless eternity. And I, I don't know about you, but I reckon eternity is a long time. I heard this one said that if, if a seagull grabbed a grain of sand off the beach, carried it out to the edge of the edge of the universe, came back and dropped it in a bucket out there, then came back and grabbed another little grain of sand. And by the time that bucket was filled, we wouldn't have spent one day in eternity. But some people are going to spend eternity in a place of torment. No God. You see, the, the, the devil has, has fed us a lie. And, and there are cults out there that are telling you that there is no hell. The Jehovah's Witnesses will tell you there's no hell. There's only a new earth. And 144,000 people will go to heaven, but everyone else will stay on earth. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's just the eternal focus. What about here in life? He said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come to give life and life abundantly. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm here on a mission. I'm here on a mission from God to speak to each and every one of you and stir you up for the cause of God that's in you. Because your destiny and your purpose is not just about your family. It's not just about your house or your mortgage or whatever. Your destiny and your purpose is lost humanity. I'll read a little quote by William Booth. How many know who William Booth is? Founder of the Salvation Army, General William Booth. He says, not called, did you say? Not heard the call. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come to this place. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Not called, do you say? William Booth laid on his deathbed. And they asked General William Booth, what would you say? What would be the last Words that you would say as you leave this earth. And he just cried out with the last breath that was in him. Others. Others. That's what our life is about. Freely you have been given, freely give. We, we have a, I, I call it the greasy grace message. Do you know what I mean? Where, where I, look, I, uh, me of all people, I need the grace of God. Of sinners, I feel like the worst. You heard my testimony last night. I, I don't feel like anything. 
I feel like sometimes people actually, uh, when I heard my brother here say, you know, we shouldn't judge by the outside appearance. You know, look, we're often judging, putting people in boxes. I went to, we did a tent crusade up in, up in Brisbane just recently, and I was the speaker. But someone asked me, brother asked me, sir, would you like to get saved tonight? Apparently he thought I was like a hell's angel or something that I, he, he thought, it's my mission. It's my mission. I see that man. I see that man. It's my mission to go and tell him about Jesus. And I was the speaker. Hallelujah. We've got, we got to understand the heart of God. We've got to understand what, what his heart is for, for lost humanity. And there's no one beyond his reach. Absolutely no one beyond his reach. Bible says a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering flax he will not snuff out. What's he saying here? He's saying, in other words, as long as they have a breath in their lungs, as long as they're just this side of eternity, they can still be saved. Amen? Well, I think that's not good in my pocket. Move it somewhere else. Somewhere there. Yeah. I don't break it. There we go. Try that. All right. You see, God's desire is that that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the world. All of creation cries out for the revealing of the sons of God. All of creation groans, waiting for us to walk into what we're called to be, who we're called to be. Because our whole purpose here on earth is to become like little Christs. Jesus came to show us how it's done. He said, as I am in the world, now I send you in the world. We think, oh, well, that was just Jesus. He was the Son of God. He, everything that he did, he demonstrated that we could do. He said, all these things you've seen me do, greater things than these you will do. But we've got to believe it and know that Christ in us, the hope of glory... Christ lives in us. And when we step out for Christ, that's when Christ steps into us. You are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the bowl. You are the salt of the earth. But what happens when salt loses its saltiness? It's good for nothing, but trampled underfoot. God has called the church to be the answer to the world. We are called to walk in the divine authority of Jesus Christ himself. You say, oh, that's a bit arrogant, Pastor Mike. That's a bit proud. I just want to be humble and have a lowly existence. That's not humility. 
Humility is knowing that you are nothing, but that He is everything through you. We have a mighty God. We, we, we don't do Him justice or the cross justice when we don't realize who it is that lives within us. He formed the heavens and the earth by His voice. Listen to this. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints. <laughs> I like that because I kind of relate. I just think, you know what? If I, I wasn't saved, I, I, feel, I feel like Paul sometimes. Because you know how Paul used to, they used to have a go at Paul saying, I think he's still killing people. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal pur purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know the spotless church that God's coming back for? It's without spot or wrinkle. That's, that's not getting it all pure and holy, but it's about faith. It's truly about faith. Some of us are so busy working on getting it right before we get out there. Oh, I'm not a good witness. Oh, I'm not a, I don't do this. I don't do that right. I don't do this. The Bible just says go. It just says go into all the world. Preach the gospel and teach them all things which I have taught you. I want to see. We need to demonstrate what God came to die for. The greatest thing that Jesus did was rise from the dead. He did all these miracles, but when, when he actually rose from the dead, he said, even the very thing that everybody fears, the very end of life is only a beginning for me. To overcome death. God has called us to all move in passion, in gifting, as Christ walked on the earth. You see that story of the woman at the well. When Jesus sat down with the woman at the well, he didn't actually have to say or proclaim the gospel. He gave her a word of knowledge about her life <laughs> he gave her a word of knowledge about her life something that he couldn't have possibly known which opened up everything he, and, and then all of a sudden she goes out and gets all the men saved and brings them out I want to I wanna demonstrate a bit this morning because you know I, I just said to, I said to God I want to see a manifestation of 
your presence this morning and your power. So I'm gonna I'm gonna begin I'm gonna begin with you, bro. Come up. I just um I heard God say about you, prophetic evangelist. Okay, and 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 we we smile, we feel encouraged by the word, but it it's actually going to be a a road of of persecution. It's going to be a road of um where you have like God's going to put a boldness upon you. I feel like it's it's like a John the Baptist type anointing, right? It's like a it's like a, an Elijah type anointing where where you you're really not going to be very popular. Okay, so so I feel like God even now is beginning to take the fear of man out of you. Even now is beginning to take anyone that says you can't do it. Anyone, there's almost this this thing that you've had since a child, where where when people said you couldn't do it, you thought I have to do it. And the Lord's saying that I've I've chosen you to be aggressive with spirits, but gentle with people. And there there is this prophetic uh, mantle upon you to prepare the way of the Lord. You're going to confront things and then it's going to open up for a move of the Spirit of God to come in. So that's, the, the ministry is going to be about because, you know, the, the prophetic evangelist, he comes in and starts to nail things in people's lives and it's not real popular. He says to the pastor, you've got to get rid of Sister Bucketmouth and Prophet, Prophet Doodad over there and, uh, and, and old intercessor lady over there who's squawking her head off and then God's going God's to absolutely move. And the pastor says, no, 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 they're my biggest tithers. They're... They're, 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 they're great people. I love them. They've been growing up and they're with my family. And, and you, you're going to have to come in and give this word of the Lord that, and, and, and just as God said to Ezekiel, whether they hear you or they don't hear you, they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. God's going to send you to a stiff-necked people. He's going to send you to people and break off religion and stuff like that. And God's training you even now, precept upon precept, line upon line. It, it, will, it won't happen uh, suddenly. There's going to be seasons and times and God's going to call you into times of prayer and fasting. So there's going to be seasons and times and little bit by little bit, precept upon precept, as you humble yourself under godly men and leaders, then one step after another, God's going to lead you to the nations. Can I get you guys up? I feel... Feel the Lord talking to me about you guys. That um, uh, I don't, I don't know you from Adam, but you know, yeah, both you guys, both you guys. Um, it, and, and I didn't. You guys are married? Huh? Your dad? Okay. I don't, I don't know anything about you. I don't. I, I just saw you sitting together. I don't know. I'm not saying. You know, it's, but I'm just saying. So, I, I just heard the Lord say, teacher. I heard God say, teacher, but it's with a prophetic edge, an evangelistic edge. You've always thought, 
oh, like I've got a heart for souls. I've got a heart for evangelism. I've got a heart for, to, to get people saved. But, but God said it's going to be a teaching anointing and equipping anointing where God wants to, you to, I see you actually starting up these little, little schools where you teach people how to, how to win souls and how to, how, to, how to know their authority. See, there's this, this mantle of authority that God, God's putting. As you study more and more, you're going to enter into a real season where you will get revelation after revelation of the authority of God towards man and, and the incomparable greatness of the power of God like the, through us who believe that, that, that mighty power inside us. And, uh, and God's going to begin to teach you and, and form you and, and, and lead you into a place where you're going to actually teach churches. You're going to go around and teach churches and train up. And, and, and I see even a school, even an online school where people will tap into it and they will they'll, they'll start to um, you know, use it as a curriculum in their churches to, to train and equip young evangelists and, and people in the ministry. Um, I see a prophetic mantle starting to come upon you see God begin to open your ears and your eyes to hear and to see uh, what God's saying. And, and I, I encourage you to step into it. The devil has lied to you and said that at you know, times it's not really God. There's been an insecurity around it. But God has called you and he's placed this prophetic mantle upon you. Step out, step out, step out. Don't fear getting it wrong. Just step out, step out, step out. And, and, and just trust in stepping out you'll sometimes hear things that'll just be a little tiny snippet and you won't think oh well is that god is that not god just step out and open your mouth and god will give you the rest he'll fill the rest of your mouth so praise god and 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 i felt like as you mature in that there will be a creativeness that will come out of the prophetic word as you say things that are not they will become cool Pastor Steve, I've got a word for you. Pass your phone over to someone there. Um, the Lord said kingdom dominion. And this is your home, but that's your church. And I felt God say, I'm going to begin to give you incredible favor in the community incredible favor even in positions of government there's going to be this incredible you're going to get you're going to start to receive telephone calls from people that will will just blow the church away they'll ring you and they'll ask for advice they'll ask for prayer significant strategic authority people in the city and you're going to become like a counselor for them you're going to become like a like almost a spiritual mayor to the city And, and I, I see that, that God's he's actually putting like a scepter in your hand. And, and, and this incredible prophetic voice to speak to the mountains in the city, to speak to the, the giants, to speak to the things in the city and to see them shift and move in Jesus' name. There was a, there was a man of God who, I forget his name, but he, was, he used to do this. He used to go into cities and he would literally fly into cities. And this is what's going to happen. Is this, this whole community will begin to change as you speak to things. Like speaking to the mountain. You're going to speak to things. You're going to, 
And, and, but there was this guy who used to fly into cities and he used to just speak to brothels. Shut down in Jesus' name. Strip joints, shut down in Jesus' name. Nightclubs, shut down in Jesus' name. He'd leave and literally the whole, trans, whole community would transform. I feel that, that anointing upon you. I feel it like God just showed me this whole community transformation. You're going to be known as the community pastor in, in the whole, whole area. And God's going to increase your dominion time and time. And you're going to go and you're going to be asked to, to, to go into places and, because people are going to hear. I hear the, hear the scripture rise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Nations will come and see what's happening in Griffith, this tiny little place. Because he uses, he uses the weak things to shame the strong things. And I feel like God's going to show off through you. He's going to show off through Griffith. And people are going to come and say, would you come to our area? Would you fly and just do what you've done? Father, this mantle of authority, fall upon him now it's prophetic mantle Lord. give him that scepter in Jesus name let it rise within him God boldness 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 in Jesus name boldness in the name of Jesus it's sharp it's powerful and the gift of God coming upon you even now. <laughs> Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I, um, James, I just heard God speak to me about George Whitfield. Now we've been talking about revival snap, but I didn't, hadn't even thought about him for a long time. But I just felt like God saying, there's like a, an anointing and a, and, a, and a call upon you like George Whitfield. And that God's going to begin to really get you to step into that as your hunger for him. It's going to show you he created you to think outside the box. There's, there's something about your personality that continues to look from abstract points of view and thinks outside the box. And, uh, and God created you that way so that you could see things from different angles and stuff and, and I just see that God's going to use you as a voice and, 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 and a real healing anointing is going to come upon you praise God thank you Lord alright I don't know if there was anyone else maybe there was We'll leave it at that for now. I'm going to preach just for a little bit. I haven't got much time left. <laughs> I was just having a chat before. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to I wanna leave you with a message today. And, and, and if you're going to title it, it would be, Is There Not a Cause? Is There Not a Cause? You see... Jesus always followed the master's voice and he would hear the cry of the heart of broken humanity. 
Jesus is standing there feeding 5,000 people. I'm sure the disciples would have said, we've got a great church here. Let's build a building around it. Let's keep these 5,000 people. How are we going to do pastoral care? We've got to follow them up now. We've got to get them locked into a connect group. We've got to, get them, we've got to keep these 5,000 people here. And, uh, and how are we going to do that? You know, Because you know how many know the disciples tried to even build little tabernacles around Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration? They're always trying to build structure around so how we, how we can con- contain it. How are we going to contain it and make some kind of business out of this, make some kind of thing, church, whatever, out of it? And, but, but Jesus, he says, no, I've got to go. He says, we've got to go over the other side of the lake. Why did he leave the 5,000 to go after the one? Because he heard a man that was controlled by demons He heard the cry of this man's heart from a cave where he was locked. It was the psych ward of the day. It was, was, you know, they didn't have medication and psychiatrists. So when someone had any kind of mental illness or demons or whatever, they didn't understand. And there's a fine line, by the way, between mental illness and demons. We've got to be very careful with that. I see much damage being done with people trying to drive out the spirit of schizophrenia. Someone is mentally ill, you need to pray for healing for them, not deliverance. So what happened is, he leaves, he hears the cry of the heart of this guy who's, who's controlled by demons, cutting himself with stones to get some relief from his head. Some relief from the pain in his heart, just cutting himself. We have, we have women, girls in our program, even some guys that there's, there's an addiction that's actually called self-harm where they will, they'll cut themselves up just to escape the pain that's in their heart. A spirit just comes along, a demon spirit. Most of addictions are attached to demon spirits. Demons come along. Is it, is it, is it you just cast out the spirit of addiction? No, they've got to be healed because they're always filling a hole. Like Jesus said to the woman at the well, you drink of this water, you thirst again. You drink of the water I, th- I give, you'll never thirst again. We've got to fill that place. So if, you, if you're going to cast demons out, you have to fill that place with Christ. So we've had girls just slash up in bathrooms and blood everywhere. They're not trying to kill themselves. They're just trying to relieve the pain in their heart. And Jesus hears the pain, the cry of one man. One man, and he leaves the 5,000 and he goes after that one man and he stands. And the moment that the, this is what I'm talking about, church. This is, this is the, the power and the authority that we've got to begin to walk in. The moment his foot touches the shore, the demons, all the demons in that area, they hear and that man just comes and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. What is your name? My name is Legion. Because we are many. What have you done? You come to torment us before our time. Please don't send us into the abyss now. And, and the demons beg to go into the sheep. Now, even the sheep couldn't bear the demons. They just go and kill themselves. It's interesting because some people, some people are dumber than sheep. It's true. 
The sheep just couldn't handle the demons in them. But some people will just walk around with demons in them all day long because they've they become their friends. They've empowered them. They've given them some kind of... But like everything with the devil, when he offers you something, there's a big price to be paid. And, uh, and, he, and he casts the demons out. And he says to this man who wants to follow him, he says, he says oh, wow, you know, like I'm set free and, and, and I just want to follow you, Jesus. Can I join the church? Can I get comfortable? Can I just hang around you? And Jesus says, no, I want you to go back and tell your people. Go back and tell your people. And, and the Bible says that cities were saved. Cities, when they saw this man who was a demoniac in his right mind. See, sometimes we think, right, we think that we've got to, We've got to have all these evangelistic programs. We've got to put on this entertainment. We've got to try this thing and that method and that, this method and that method. If one person steps out, out of a wheelchair in this place, you won't have room enough in the building. If one person gets significantly delivered of demons, cities get saved. We in our church, we had a girl who was brought to our church because her friends had taken her. She had a bunch of friends and they'd taken her to church after church after church to get deliverance. You could see the demonic torment on her face. Pretty young girl, very pretty young girl, but torment written all over her face. And, and her friends had taken her to this evangelist and that evangelist and this church and that church. And they'd heard that there was a move of the supernatural at our church. So they, they brought her along and they sat her on the front row. And, and one of her friends said, she's got demons. Can, can you see if we can get rid of them? They sat there and I, I began to preach. And often this will happen is the compassion of Jesus will draw me off. And we, we, we'll go right off track with the sermon because... I, I, I can't sit and preach a word while people are in pain. I can't. Do you know what I mean? I hear, the, hear that heart's cry and say, so I grab her out. And I said, in the name of Jesus, all you foul spirits of darkness, leave her now. And she, she started to go, and I'm like, oh. God, we've just started the church. People are going to get all upset and uncomfortable. I could see people's faces going. I'm thinking, oh, no, could you just be a little bit more quiet? I went, silence, demon, in Jesus' name. And it just got louder. So I thought, I've got to get rid of this thing, right? So I get down. And, and one of the things that I know, and I've done this in many nations of the world, where I, I get, them, I get the, the people to look in my eyes. Because they can't look at the face of Jesus. See, Jesus lives in me, and he looks up out through the windows, right? So I said, I said, what's her name? And I said her name, and I said, open your eyes, open your eyes. And she's going. I said, open your eyes and look at me, look at me, look at me. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, you, you demons come out. And within a second, these demons come out of her and her face changed. Literally a miracle before your eyes when you see their face change and their body go peace. And her friends were all just weeping, crying. And she was completely delivered and set free. She got up completely a different person. She said, I've never felt this freedom. I don't even know what, it's weird. I don't even know, I've got nothing to compare it to. We, we had this like, from that, we had all of the, the youth from that, that church, that, that all come the next week. We had like all these, like about 30 or 40 youth come to check out what's going on. Because the supernatural is what people are hungering for. The supernatural is what we need. And there's such a cause. I said to, I said to one pastor, I said, um, I'll speed things up again. But I said to one pastor, um, we, we, we could do a rehab in your region. Because I knew, I knew how bad the region was. Right? I won't say where it, where it was because you might guess who the pastor was or whatever. But this prominent church, a couple of thousand people. And I, I said to the pastor, would you like us to do a rehab model in your church? Because this, your whole city's dying of addiction. He goes, oh, I don't think those statistics are right. We, 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 we really don't have many drug addicts in our church. And I went, Step outside your church and go and have a look. Hear the cry of God. Leave the 5,000 and go after the one. Just hear. Is there not a cause? I, um, I want to share quickly with you. Because where I get this whole thing of is there not a cause is uh, from 1 Samuel 17. And where David, you know the story of David killing Goliath, right? Where David was, David was looking after the sheep and his dad said, I want you to go down and look after your brothers and go and take them some bread and take them some supplies. So he goes down, gets to the field and his brothers say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, David? What are you doing? Short stuff, you little squint, what are you doing? And they're like, they're like, what, and, and wh- who have you left those sheep with? Who have you left the sheep with? You just left the sheep on their own, have you? And we know you're just proud. You're just haughty. You come down here just to show off, just to come and gloat and come and... And David says this, he says, what have I done now? How many of you get the cry of your heart? You hear that cry in your heart, what have I done now? When all you're doing is trying to do the right thing. But he goes, what have I done now? And he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And we have in our nations, in our cities, in our communities, even in our own house, in our our churches, we have causes. We have needs. And we have giants that stand in the fields of of the cities stand in the fields of nations 
and defy the armies of the living God. We have giants like, like abortion. You know, just recently, our state was trying to pass what Hillary Clinton was trying to pass, and that's late-term abortion. Queensland doesn't even have an upper house, so anything they pass, if they can get it passed, it has to be contested in the high court. There's no accountability. Joby Occupy-Peterson made sure of that. And, and what, what happens is these giants, these demonic influences that come and stand and, and mock the church. Goliath stands in the fields and defies the armies of the living God. And there are giants like abortion, giants like drug addiction, prostitution, human trafficking, dare I say it, gay marriage. I will go to jail before I marry a man and a man and a woman and a woman because God instituted marriage from day one. He, he, he said it's for a man and a woman. I love homosexual people. That's come out wrong. No, but I just, I don't endorse their sin. Just like I don't endorse drug addiction, I don't endorse anything else that's, that's harmful, you know, that's against what God created. But these spirits just defy the church. And that's why God created a little David like me to take a little slingshot. And I, I, you heard my story last night. I had people in my house and they were just getting smashed in the Holy Spirit. They were just getting touched in the river of God. And the river of God was washing over these rocks, these rocks that were jagged, these rocks that were sharp. And the river of God made them round and smooth in His presence. And the Bible says that David went to the brook and got five round smooth stones and it only took one to kill the giant in his path. I've got a little bag with round smooth stones picking out rocks out of the river of God. We've got this program called Transformations. It's like this big river. I just picked these rocks out. Got this rock and this, this, this young guy, his name is Lucas Connell. He's an evangelist now, travels all over the world preaching now. But I said, he's been free of addiction. We'll start the first house with him. And we'll kill that Goliath, kill that drug addiction. Then it just explodes, explodes, explodes. See, David was given Saul's armor. But he said, it's not what I need. I need what God put in my hand. God has a strategy for this church. God has a strategy for Griffith. God has a strategy for you and how you play a part in it. And God will have you use what's in your hand. What did he say to Moses? What's in your hand? He fed those 5,000 people with a little boy's lunchbox. What's in your hand? Lift it up to God. Whatever it is in your hand, lift it up to God and let God multiply it. Because that's all I did. I, 
I lifted up this little gift. I've been set free from drugs, so I know that other people can be set free from drugs. I lifted it up to God. God blessed it, multiplied it. Now it's all over the nation. Who am I? I'm nothing. But all I said is I'll take anything that you've given me, God, and I'll give it back to you and you multiply it and you use it. Whatever God has put in your hand, whatever God has given you, He has given you for the purpose of the kingdom of God. It is not just for you. If you want to see it multiply, then give it back to God. Happens with finances, happens with everything. Every resource that you have, give it back to God. Lift it up into God's hand and God will bless it and multiply it. Make your cup to run over into every area of influence in your life. So is there not a cause? The second rock that I took out of the, the brook was a girl, and I'm gonna wanna 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 finish with this really. But there was a girl that she was a, a prostitute and a heroin addict. She'd been addicted to heroin for 15 years. Her story was from the age of four years old, her father used to sit around with his friends and drink and get drunk and then they'd pull her out, get her to take off her clothes and stand on the coffee table and he would sell her to the highest bidder. True story. Then she just thought that's what she was worth when she got older, she thought, if my father can sell me to make money, I can sell myself to make money. So she sold her body as a heroin addict. And she was walking up the streets, the highway, where we come from, the Gold Coast. She's walking up and down the streets, working, trying to get Johns and going to sleazy little cockroach-infested hotels to do what she had to do to get the money to go and buy a heroin so that she didn't have to get sick, she addicted to it, couldn't get off it, didn't see any worth, any, any life left in her. She just thought, this is my lot, this is what I'm, this is the only thing I'm good for. She walked into a fish and chip shop one day and the, the Lebanese owner of the fish and chip shop looked over the counter and spat on her, spat on her face, just why don't you do something with your life, you filthy whore? Now, that didn't, that didn't upset her much because she thought, yeah, I am a filthy whore. Like, it wasn't any new thing to her. It wasn't an insult because she just wore that. It is who she is. It's all she ever thought she was. In the age of four years old, she ever, never thought any different. But she went outside and she sat in the gutter started to think about that started to think about what he said why don't you do something with your life and she thought I don't know how I don't know how how will they know unless we tell them an evangelist came and saw her that day and gave her a rose it was Valentine's Day she burst into tears felt the father's heart of God help her 
felt the Father heart of God. And, uh, and he said, you know, there's a place down the road that can help you. It's called Transformations. She was brought in that day and I was there and she was still just blind off heroin. And, and one of our rules is that we will... Um, we don't take any people who, who are still off their face because, you know, we've got to be detoxed and stuff. And, but I just felt the Holy Spirit say, make an exception with this one. Anyway, she, she got in the program and it was, she was so broken. She was so fragile. She was so trying to reject us and prove that she was unlovable. And we just kept loving on her and loving her and loving her and loving her. And it just began to seep in, began to, began to just get in there and then she started to believe it started to believe in herself now today she runs a ministry called flawless ministries where she reaches out to brothels and sex workers and 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 like strip joints and and like she takes flowers and food and like we've got a florist in our church and she takes bundles of flowers into the brothels she's got She's got two brothels that she's gone into and now the madams of the brothels are, are, are begging her to come back and, because she brings the light into the dark place. Her name's Kim. If you get a chance, look her up, Facebook or whatever. I don't think she's got a website yet, but it's called Flawless, runs out of our program Transformations. But there was, there was a little rock in that brook. Her name was Kim. She was in the river of God. She was, she was getting blessed. She was getting healed. I took her out, put her in that slingshot, hit that giant called prostitution that defies the armies of the living God and says, church, you can do nothing about this. We're going to flaunt it. We're going to tell you. Now I say today, is there not a cause? We need to stand up for social injustice. We need to be the manifold wisdom of God to the world. God has created the church to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. On top and not the bottom. He has called us to be the blessor, the loner. And God has called you to stand up and use whatever is in your hand. Whatever is in your hand. And I say this today. There's no greater cause. No greater cause on the planet than to see people come to the knowledge of their Savior. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to hand back over to Pastor Steve and let him finish up. We've gone over time, so.